Welcome to Out of the Technicolor Closet, a podcast promoting inclusivity and understanding for the LGBT youth of today and tomorrow. We are your hosts, Ling and Stephanie. This is sponsored by the Out Center, located in Benton Harbor, Michigan. So today we're going to be talking about over-sexualizing kids in the LGBT community. Today we have Savannah joining us here today. She went to River Valley. She's 19 and she's part of the community. She's bisexual and she's going to give us a little information, a little point of view here and there throughout the throughout the talk today. Way to join the bisexual club. Woo-woo. Look at us. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of things on the media like recently when it comes to involving kids in a lot more LGBT centered topics. And I'm like, that's great exposure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, And like health and sex education, it's nothing new uh, when it comes to like teaching kids in middle school and high school Um, and the basics to, you know, like protecting yourself and others. It's it's necessary, especially Mm -hmm. in today's world. But when it comes to discussing certain topics, I feel that a lot of parents tend to avoid touching on uh, the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's a personal preference for a lot of parents. Um, and it's it's understandable most times, but I feel like there's just this huge, heavy stigma around it or it's, when it comes to having like that talk and not the birds and the bees talk, but like the, ooh, spooky gay talk, you know? Yeah. Well, I was going to say even the whole birds and the bees talk in general, like I feel like a lot of parents can shy away from that or kind of dance around it and hope that school handles that. But it's it's like they need that, though, also from the parents, as awkward as it might be, to kind of introduce them to certain things and be like, hey, this is my what you might see in the world. Just saying. Yeah, Here exactly. <laughs> like, on average, young people are exposed to, like, health and sex education around the ages of, like, puberty, most commonly 12 to 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of this, I believe that it's almost the most appropriate time to become acquainted with the community because you're already learning a lot about regular heterosexual interactions, yeah. uh, regular mental health issues, etc. So why not also add in the LGBT perspective to normalize it more? Well, you know? Yeah, exactly. Why not just yeah touch all bases and ultimately then no one's going to treat it like it's an abnormal thing as they grow up. Exactly. But the, uh, the issue here mostly is... What I view as the issue is people that want to teach kids that are younger than 12 to 16 years old, as young as kindergarten age. Um, and my, my main worry is, can such a young mind even comprehend a topic as delicate as what being homosexual or transgender means? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, when it comes to a child's development, abstract thinking starts at ages 11 to 16. You know, okay. and abstract thinking is basically when you're able to conceptualize creativity and you're able to think outside the box, really, and piece things together for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're you're viewing the world as the world, something bigger. When it comes to younger age groups like five and six, they're just starting to grasp, like, for example, what death is yeah. and the finality of it. And when they're already trying to navigate around such heavy topics, I don't think that it's exactly wise of a parent to be like, hey, there's this thing called uh, being a lesbian, and um, you need to know what that is. It's like, (laughs) okay, okay, I guess, you know, I'm going to go play with Jimmy at the slide and tell him that I'm talking about lesbians. I I don't (laughs) know. That'll go over well with all the other parents, too, just to (laughs) be like, wait, I wasn't ready to talk to my kids about this yet. Exactly. That brings up another issue of, like, are the other say your kid gets this huge talk, this huge rundown about like what 
being uh, part of the community is. And all they retain is mommy gay. <laughs> yeah. They, they run around going, my mommy gay. <laughs> and then the other kids go home and they're just like, dad, what's gay? And, yeah. then the, and then the parents are sitting there at the coffee table and they're like, oh my God, what's going on? And like, all right. <laughs> I guess we have to, to have some kind of talk right now. <laughs> so I think a way to kind of combat this lack of information and this kind of hesitation when it comes to talking about this with your kids and if your kid brings it up with another child and they bring it up to their parent then there's this whole conundrum is implementing part of this whole situation into school into the curriculum Mm -hmm. so basically this issue hasn't been addressed yet and we've talked about it previously uh, when it comes to lack of lgbt history and information in the public school system Mm. And the fact that there's no requirements in school curriculums to educate students about history and queer sexual health and identity, which ends up leading to lack of understanding when it comes to understanding repercussions when it comes to interacting with the same sex, uh, difficulty discovering identities and even the concept of them. And it tends to give being in the community a different air, especially in a preteen world. I'd say uh, rather than figuring out what gay is because you're being made fun of and then you're like, oh, well, I think I'm that, but I don't want to be that anymore because people are bullying me because of it. Yeah. It would be better if like, well, we watched this video alongside regular health education when we were in like middle school. And I view this more as a normal thing because that's how it was presented to me initially. Wouldn't that have been nice to, you know, be taught that in school? Yeah, I know. It would have been great. Yeah. When I was uh, figuring all this stuff and I started to to have the feelings for like one of my friends, and I, you know, I would just be like, oh, I don't think I'm supposed to like her. I don't know what's <laughs> going on right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that is a, a lack of understanding and just kind of like being scared because the stigma behind it, and especially like when I was 13, 14 years old, that was definitely not present in in schools. Oh yeah, and like at least it wasn't in my school that I was aware of. I mean, the closest thing I'd say that we have right now in schools today is GSAs. But at the same time, that's only really open what I see to high school level students. Yeah. And not everybody has a GSA, too. So I I think that's also another big problem. Schools are trying to take steps to include more information. Yeah. I think there's also probably um, bias when it comes to like trying to implement stuff like this, like trying to pass it through a state level. Uh huh. Governors are probably like, "Eh, I don't really see the point. Of course not. (laughs) That's kind of like, you know, certain certain schools try to eliminate like the arts and music programs and everything because they're like, oh, what's the point in that? And I'm like, yeah, not everybody is going to, you know, grow up using the same type of, you know, subjects for their careers. Yeah. And I feel like when it comes to the idea of everybody's going to follow the same path and especially like I think the school curriculum, like the state based curriculum is so toxic because mm-hmm. people say that oh, you know, you can be unique in the school system. You can do this. The teachers will be there. It's going to get personalized. It really doesn't. No, you're pretty much like a number. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like be yourself, they, but not like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, huh, that's cute, but uh, fall in line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. One obstacle that we're going to have to overcome in order to achieve implementing LGBT information into probably the school system is figuring out what's keeping us back. I'm thinking, is it religion? Is it budget? Is it personal comfort of the staff? Oh, I'm thinking... I'm thinking all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's see. Like, one, I can two, think three. of a lot of my uh, 
friends, their parents would definitely think that their kids are going to be brainwashed. Oh, gosh, oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though it's just putting the information out there mm-hmm. for them to absorb, not like, I don't know, not like this is the normal. Your kids all need to be gay. It's just. Yeah, exactly. I went to, I stayed a summer at Western Michigan University through a program called Upward Bound. I think it was two years ago. And there was this panel there because they have this kind of uh, LGBT group and they're there to support, they're there to create, they're there to offer a community for um, freshmen on campus, you know, just to provide a more homely atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, before we were able to enter the room to see the panel and like talk to the people and get whatever information or experience from the people there, the chaperones came up and they were just like, well, do you have your your permission slip for this? And we didn't need it for anything else while we were there. And I looked what? at the slip <laughs> and it was basically like saying um, my daughter or son has or does not have permission to see this or to hear about this or to learn about this. Oh, like it, they had them in sections of what you might need to avoid? Yeah, there was like um, the LGBT panel. There was like avoid the yeah, <laughs> avoid. <laughs> there was like the there was like a mental health recovery thing where you could either sign off for your kid doing that or not doing it. Um, and there was a few kids I, w- I was like looking at them. I'm like, bro, why aren't you going in? Like, this is going to be cool. I was excited for it because mm-hmm. I was a young gay. I didn't know much. A gaby. A gaby, if you will. Um, <laughs> and I knew a few of them that weren't being able to be let into the panel were inclined to liking the same sex. And they were just like, well, my parents don't know. And my parents really don't like the community and my parents this. And it's so aggravating how they're on the bridge of adulthood and they just can't get into that one space they need to fully discover themselves. I can't imagine restricting your child from like information, just simple information. Also, what were some of the things that you didn't need a permission slip for? Um, Like the basic courses, like the math, the English, the chemistry. Um, There was other like little events, like they had games that they did and they had like uh, they brought us to certain areas. There's a PE thing. Well, of course, if they're not going to include it in as a basic thing, then people are definitely going to view it as weird or different or Mm -hmm. strange. So. That's the main thing that we're trying to get at is the fact that it's not included in basic education, the fact that LGBT history, health, et cetera, isn't included into the basic school curriculum. It estranges it from everybody else and everybody views it as not normal. Not normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is pretty frustrating because, yeah, how are are, are you going to know any better, especially if that is something you're struggling with, which many is clearly this is how the world has been. Many of people struggled for so many years just pushing it all down because, you know, it, it wasn't present in school. It wasn't present in their homes that they were scared to ask about it. And and like what like what you were saying, Savannah, before about like why would you want to hide uh, information from your kids or not let them have it if it's just like legit informative stuff? Um, and I think a lot of it is just people being ignorant, not knowing, and uh, not caring to learn more about it. So they're like, well, I don't want to know about this. So I don't want my kids to know about it. Not to get political or anything, but I do know that, like, there's a lot of false representation on, like, the news about gay people. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, you know, those drag queens that go to, like, kindergarten classes and talk about being transgender and what non-binary is and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then parents see just those isolated, weird incidents and they're like, oh, no, my child is going to be a drag queen. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of drag queen story hour, that's actually our next topic. 
it's been like a really, like you said, it's a big point of controversy right now when it comes to how parents view the community. Um, for the past couple months, there's been this thing called Drag Queen Story Hour, which is essentially a drag queen coming to a local establishment or a library and reading stories to very young kids around elementary school age to middle school age. It's labeled by the creators, the creators of uh, Drag Queen Story Hour, as a way to introduce children to foreign concepts, different lifestyles, and encourage questions, which all sounds really great in the end. Like, I'm all for uh, I'm all for exposing people to something that isn't exactly harmless, but at the same time, it's is this really the best time to do that mm-hmm. right. for a kid? For how young they are. Exactly. Yeah. The reason why many people feel like this is a step in the wrong direction is because it sounds a little bit like quote unquote indoctrinating children into a specific way of thinking or way of life because they're presenting this as the norm. And I I have no problem with drag queens being the norm. It's something that I've known about for a very long time because I had my way around the internet and I could find it. Mm -hmm. I also feel like, I mean, maybe this is just my personal opinion, but like drag queen story time might be just a little much for kids that young Mm -hmm. i mean personally if i ever have kids i think if they ever have questions about like like say i had a son and he wanted to paint his nails or play with barbies i would say yeah i don't think i would sit down and be like this means that you're feminine and you can do whatever you want and just make it a big huge deal Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like it's kind of blown out of proportion do you know what i'm saying i get what you mean i feel like they're putting too much emphasis on these uh gender roles you know Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, if you play with Barbie dolls, if my son is inclined to play with Barbie dolls and he wants to play with his older sister's lipstick or my lipstick or put on makeup or whatever, then he's going to be trans and I have to make a big deal out yeah. of it. It's like, mm-hmm. just and I have like, to teach him about it right now. It's like, no, just let the kid be a kid. Yeah. Do what you want. Let him grow and see what happens. <laughs> he might even grow out of it, you know? Exactly. Like, for example, my brother, I remember I uh, was being told a story about he, he would love to play in my mom's heels. So much. He'd <laughs> clonk around with these oversized heels and little baby feet. He'd be like, oh, I'm a pretty lady. And uh, my dad was about to step in and be like, oh, you can't do that. Then my mom was just like, wait, just wait. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And he messed around with the heels for a few months and then he never touched them again. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like that's a phase for a lot of kids. They're, like, they're playing dress up basically at that point. too. Exactly. And uh, yeah, my brother did that all the time. I did that. My sister did that. You know, we for me, obviously, <laughs> the dressing up like a guy. I mean, <laughs> no, but um, when it came to, uh, yeah, my, my siblings, I'm just like, yeah, they're just basically playing dress up at that point. <laughs> exactly. Even though I think that letting a kid become exposed to all of this is pretty neat. It's pretty cool. It's something that we've never been able to really do before in mm-hmm. the past few decades. It's something that's always been shunned and like, oh, you can't look at that. You can't watch that. So because there's such a mixed bag of emotions when it comes to talking about this, there has obviously been protests and pickets uh, around libraries that were holding these drag queen story hours. And funding has actually been dropped for a lot of these story hours. And I, my main question really for this organization or for this group is, is this directed at the kids or is it really directed at the parents and the media mm-hmm. to try and like open up views and open up uh, perception when it comes to when we should include kids into the community. Or yeah. is it just to push an agenda? Yeah, really. Because there's nobody is unaware of 
past few years, what's been going on in the political climate when it comes to the extreme right-leaning views where everything should be very Puritan and the extreme left-leaning views where we should deconstruct all of those old ways of life and throw in the new, like... We should all just be gay. We should all be gay. We should all be (laughs) communists, you know? Yeah. And going into more of the extreme left-leaning, we should all be gay point of view, there has been a thing that I've been seeing called babies, Mm. uh, Mm. which is a new trend spearheading the front lines of queer parenting. It's raising your child genderless. Uh, Parents that are expecting or have conceived are keeping their child's gender a secret in order to promote self-discovery of identity rather than enforcing, quote-unquote, societal standards as well as any gender roles upon their kids. Mm. So I personally think that this is not a healthy way to raise your child. I don't have children, yeah. obviously. But from the ages zero to four, they're they're saying, I, we're not going to label our kid at all. See, yeah, I don't like that either. I mean, I think it's, okay, when you're born, you're born with parts. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and it's, if you choose something different as your life progresses, like, fine by you. And I don't think you, I just don't think you have to, like, shove this in your kid's face of, oh, you get to choose. It's, <laughs> it's like, why don't you just... Raise them as they are and whatever their preference of things they may like, things they may want to wear, things that would, I guess, define you as either a male or female or something like that. You could kind of figure that out when you start to get older. Yeah, like if my son were to play with Barbies, paint his nails, and it, you know, just so happens it wasn't a phase and he wanted to wear makeup or he just wanted to be more feminine, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd maybe ask, do you want to be a girl? And then if he, you know, opens up to me, because I'm going to, Definitely by allowing him to do the things he wants to do, I'm going to create a safe space so he can come and talk to me. Yeah. I don't think he would be afraid to come and say, yeah, I think I feel this way. Mm. I don't think it will be as much as much of an internal struggle as most trans kids yeah. feel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you just leave that door open and you make sure that like, hey, this is how you're born and you're going to discover that as you get older, that this is what you are or what you're born with. But if you want to talk about changing that and if you don't feel right about that you know just come and talk to me when you are ready and can understand that yeah like you know how on sims you have like a preset <laughs> yeah character you can always change it doesn't matter you know what i mean <laughs> symbolic <laughs> nice sims be teaching life lessons <laughs> yeah, i just think the biggest problem with that is kids at the age of four they can't even grasp their place in the world yet such a young age they're yeah. they're not self-aware like, how are they supposed to choose their gender if they still think Santa is real? You know, monsters are under their bed and they think they can be a unicorn when they grow up. You can't. You can't. And <sighs> a lot of a lot of people think it's borderline abusive. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're teaching something that's not really accurate, though. You you are because if you're saying, oh, you're whatever it is that you want to be. But you're also who you are. <laughs> and that could be with whatever parts you're born with. And then. As life goes on and you decide, hey, these parts don't fit, then okay, cool. Then you, you take it from there. Exactly. Right. I just think the big thing is information is important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's That's been a huge topic of conversation throughout every episode we've had is that lack of information is the biggest downfall to any situation. Totally. Especially <laughs> when you went, when you t- talked about uh, left-leaning and right-leaning Mm-hmm. information could be used on both sides yeah yeah and it's like nobody is exactly right on either side of the spectrum that's why like politically i'm moderate because i like to view both and then come to my own conclusion you know i also because i don't think that things are just black and white mm-hmm. so 
Yeah. But, I, I, I couldn't identify with either party because I just can't. But when it comes to babies. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> pretty black and white. And speaking on transitioning earlier, encouraging a different perspective on gender roles. There's been a lot of iconic names surfacing in the past few years. The names more specifically of teens transitioning early in order to combat the effects of puberty with less of a struggle. So this, this includes using hormone blockers, HRT, and even eventually surgery are discussed and used at this very developmental stage in these young adults' lives. Take, for example, Jazz Jennings. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it was like, I, I know there was something on the news. Was it news or like uh, someone in the celebrity world, Jazz mm-hmm. Jennings? Yeah, so I've heard quite a lot of mixed information when it comes to Jazz. Initially, there was a documentary about her and her discovery upon herself and her gender roles. And her parents, her mother seemed to be a little bit kind of feeding her information, so to speak. But I feel like she did come to more of a more to terms with it herself in the end because she's around my age, maybe older, I think. Okay. Uh, and she's she's already had her surgery. And that's that's the big problem is she had her surgery very early on and she's still developing and growing. So after she got she got top and bottom surgery. Mm. So her surgery, there's complications. Her stitches have fall, fallen out. Her stuff isn't healing properly. There's a whole bunch of issues and it just and the reasons behind that is because her body is growing and that's why like stitches are ripping. Yeah. And it's why I don't think that transitioning early is really a good idea. Hormone blockers, if you're sure, if you've been to a gender therapist, yeah. et cetera, go for it, you know? When did she first start having the surgeries? I think when she was 16, 17. Uh, I'm, just, I'm not too sure. But, yeah. I, but I know it was early on enough to where her growth into, you know, becoming adult affected the surgeries. Yeah. I can sympathize with her, like, you know, putting myself in her shoes. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be trapped in a body I feel like I wasn't meant for. But at the same time, you need to be safe and be sure. Exactly, yeah. Because I know that there are a lot of cases of people who have transitioned and then regretted it. Um, People don't want to talk about that, but it does happen. Well, that's the thing. And that's what's kind of concerning because it's like growing up, I always, I, I think that was like part of my whole process of figuring out who I was. There was like plenty of times where I felt, I don't know, more... Like I should be more masculine than feminine and I couldn't figure out what it was and I went back and forth with stuff all the time. But like, you know, I'm glad no drastic decisions were made because nowadays I'm like, yeah, I'm a girl <laughs> and I feel good about that, you know. So to make this decision so young, even at 16, 17 years old, like looking back to when I was that age, I still had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so no offense, by the way. I oh, changed no, it's, my it's mind. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when, when you're in this stage and I can admit personally that like I've wanted a lot of things from the ages of. Or you thought you wanted. Yeah, I thought I wanted certain things from the ages of like 14 to now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is definitely how I'm going to live my life. For a while, I even thought that I wanted to transition because I saw so much. I was so involved with Mm -hmm. the community on social media and especially on websites like Tumblr. I got very involved and I was looking at like, why do I feel this way? How come I don't like this certain part of me? Like, Mm -hmm. like, what does this mean about me? And so many people were telling me, oh, you're non-binary, you know, you just, you, you you can bind, you can pack, you can do this and it'll, it'll help you feel more comfortable, help you feel more masculine. And I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. And I got very involved with it. And I thought for a very long time I wanted to transition. And now I'm here and I'm like, nah, 
<laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm comfortable in my body. Yeah. Also, there are some things that you can, you know, do and then figure out for yourself. Like, eh, maybe this isn't for me. Like, yeah. it's good to experiment, but mm-hmm. that's a permanent experiment. Exactly. Like, when I was younger, I told my dad that I wanted bangs, and he was like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want them right now." And he's like, "Okay, well, we'll take you to get your hair done, everything." And I was like, "No, I want them right now. I'm going to do it myself." And he said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I'm sure." And he gave me a pair of scissors. He goes, "Go ahead. Let me know how it turns out." <laughs> so I cut my bangs like Jeez. all the way up to my forehead, and oh, I did not God. like it. And he was like, "Well, you made your bed." <laughs> but like surgery, that's you know very very permanent. And Nothing grows back. Yeah. I also don't mean to be insensitive and compare it to, like, not as extreme of a situation, but it's the same concept. Yeah, it, it is the same concept. And I feel that when it comes to simply experimenting with presentation and things that are superficial, things that can easily be changed on a, on a whim, it's great. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and even surgery, that's a step that shouldn't be made until after you get to a certain point in your life. Mm-hmm. And you... uh your research yeah to tack on that i feel like a lot of parents like going back to what you said about the field trip i feel like a lot of parents wouldn't want their kids to gather you know that kind of information or figure things out for themselves or be exposed to lgbt topics early on because of the worry of how their kids will turn out or if they will be misinformed or if they will be bullied or just basically how how they'll be perceived, how they'll be treated. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get that. Like the main worry is like how your child will develop. And I, I understand almost every topic, like anything, like even aside from the LGBT community, it's a cause of worry for most parents. But I feel like there's a really heavy weight set on the shoulders of the parents when it comes to talking about this because of how society still has some preconceived notions when it comes to kids involved with LGBT people or the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Our society? Preconceived notions? No way. <laughs> we live in a society. <laughs> so in the end, when it comes to talking about all of this, when it comes to parenting and how you view your kids and how your kids view you and how they formulate their opinions, I'm pretty sure you guys know that, like I said, I don't have a kid. Steph mm-hmm. doesn't have a kid. Savannah doesn't have a kid. I have fur babies. <laughs> we have we have fur babies. Oh yeah. my son! <laughs> a whole podcast dedicated to talking about my cat. So we have Tommy and Rambo. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, but so when it comes to how you address these topics with your kids, we we don't really have any authority besides the time you give listening to our opinions. And as stated before, my personal opinion is that kids shouldn't be brought into such a matter until they hit puberty. And make sure to address it in the same light along with other sex ed and health education in a way of, you know, normalizing it without Mm -hmm. creating a whole new class that could, without creating like a whole new talk that could lead to disassociation from queer being the norm. Mm -hmm. Don't make it artificial. Exactly. Be real with your kids. Period. So with that, that's actually a really great stopping point for today. Um, And next time, we're definitely going to get a little bit more into the parenting side of things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Next episode is going to be focused completely on being a queer parent and what that's like in today's current society. Hey, thanks again for listening. It really means a lot to us. And give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe to Out of the Technicolor Closet anywhere you go to get your podcasts.